podcast. Check it out. The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan podcast by night, all day. All right, we're live. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm glad you're here, Jim. Yeah, you've got a, a very interesting setup, and I've, I've talked to quite a few people who work with you and your unconventional ways, and uh, you've you got a great reputation, mm. just so you know. Yeah. They think it's unconventional, but scientific. Scientific. Well, that reverse hyper, that machine that you create, I've talked about that a hundred times on my podcast. That thing has done wonders for my back, and uh, it's just a, a genius product. You all right? You good? It's a, it's a genius product. How did you invent that thing? I, I invented it out of necessity. I broke my lower back in 1973. You invented that thing in 73? Well, I started the exercise. Actually, about 74, I started the exercise. I broke my lower back in 73, and uh, I was on crutches for 10 months, and no one was helping me. So I, I just uh, come out, you know, I do back extensions where you hook your ankles and raise your upper body. But that would kill my back. So I thought, what well, if I did it in reverse? So I jumped up on a platform, dropped my legs, raised them up, pumped up my back, didn't hurt. And that's how it was, that was the beginning stages of it. And then years later, we've always been a private gym. We're not open to the public. So it was never out in the public. And then I finally made a machine years later and got my first patent in 1994. How is it that no one knows about that thing? I mean, how is it that it's not a, a gigantic success? I mean, it's... Uh, well, we, we're actually... So we sell over a little bit over 100 a month, 100 machines a month. Well, I hope I've sold some of them for oh, you. Oh, you have. I mean, I want to thank you for that. And uh, that's the way, you know, is, is like, you know, like sex. Once you have it, you got you to gotta keep it. Yeah, I don't remember how I heard about it. I, I don't remember who initially told me about it, but I was having some disc issues, and uh, they all want to cut you open, man. Okay. You go to doctors, they all want to fuse discs and cut you open, and there's all this talk, and I was like, wow, there's got to be another way. So then I started researching stuff, and I don't remember how I came upon the reverse hyper, but I remember as soon as I saw it, I went, wow, that's a genius idea, because you're just... Just, the idea is, right, that when you're getting a bulging disc, it's because things are getting compressed. So just pull them apart. Right. We've got another machine, a bell squat machine. We use it for grappling. We actually fight in there. And it's just, it's not a reverse hybrid, but it's a traction device as well. So we can do an enormous amount of work, and at the same time, it's restoration. So what is the other one called? It's called a bell squat machine. A bell squat. Put you in a platform with a belt around your waist with maybe 100, 200, 300 pounds. And then we grapple or we, or we shadow spar or you can do anything. We actually lift weights. And we use an enormous amount of weights, 2,000 pounds in it. But why it's building up your glutes and all the old, old lower body. It's traction out your spine, and it's um, but the restoration is tremendous. The next day, you don't even know you worked out, but just you've done thousands of pounds of work, and that's why I've got the world's strongest gym. Wow! So you started out as a power lifter. Started out as a power lifter. I started Olympic lifting when I was fourteen, and then I went to my first power meet in nineteen sixty six, and saw guys was really built. Never went back to Olympic lifting again, and then uh, power lifted all my life. Made top ten for thirty four years. That's why I'm so beat up, and. Uh, but uh, I love the sport. I love strength and power. I also love um, if it's if it's in time or weights. I love it. You know, something you can measure. You know, it's 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 good to be. Uh, I don't like to work in football because I I'd average three tenths off twelve linemen going in the NFL. Some went in the NFL, some didn't. So you just never know. But I like I like just basic things, statistics. You know, how strong are you? How fast are you? Now, for the person who doesn't understand this, what is the difference between powerlifting and Olympic lifting? Powerlifting, you bench, squat, and. Dead 
deadlift and Olympic lifting a clean jerk and snatch. Powerlifting is an absolute strength sport. The weight can be very, very slow. Uh, and Olympic lifting because like at a clean you have four, you have two poles, front squat and a jerk. Whatever your weakest at, that's what you're limited at. But that's a speed strength sport. And that means velocity. Speed strength is intermediate velocity. My sport is slow velocity. And then uh, if you jump, that's explosive um, that's explosive power, and that's measured in fast velocities. So if now, you want to build explosive power, you jump. And how did you get involved with working with fighters? Because I know you work with Matt Brown, and uh, you worked with a bunch of guys. Well, not a bunch. Kevin Randleman. Kevin Randleman. I started with Kevin Randleman. And uh, Trey Kevin just and I was experimented. First off, I thought I was afraid I was going to hurt the guy. Then I found you can't hurt these guys. <laughs> you know, they were hurting me. And then, uh, but that's how I started. It was fun. And uh, back when Kevin, you know, when I was champion, I don't know when he was. You probably know when he was. Probably around 2000. Um. Yeah, it was somewhere in that range, somewhere around there. He was the UFC heavyweight champ. I know. Um, tried to get um, you know, his buddy um, Mark Coleman down here, mm-hmm. and I never could get Mark down here. I went to his house twice. So I thought he was going to kick my ass. <laughs> I got him all psyched up, and he starts staring me down and rocking back and forth. And I go, Holy shit! <laughs> and uh, and then I tried to calm me down to get the hell out of there. And then he said he wanted to talk to me again about a month ago. Oh my god! So I go back up there. Same thing happened. And then I asked Kevin. I said, Kevin, why do you want to come down? And he said, Why? He said he'd have to train, you know. I mean, I train optimally. I don't train. I, I'm smart to train optimally. You know, you, need to, you know, you can't punch yourself out in the first round. You train everything optimally. It's not minimal, not maximal. It's optimal. So when you would take a guy like Kevin Randleman, like a stud athlete like that, like how would you assess like what optimum is for a guy like that? Well, that's what he was the first guy I ever had. You know what a freak he was on the men. So um, Tom works with a lot of guys right now. And, I mean, Kevin was he was a freak. You saw Kevin. Yeah. So, uh, but I would we do a lot of sled work, upper body and lower body, and a lot of uh, dumbbells for time. Like him and I, he, he was so upset one time. We tied. I did 107 reps with 75 pound dumbbells in five minutes on stability ball, and he tied me. Wow. <laughs> we both did 107 reps. And he was highly upset. <laughs> He's one of the I best was, athletes ever in the sport. Oh no kidding. Super explosive. Did he win the UFC heavyweight title? Yes. I know he fought Boss Rutan, and the, I think he lost the title to Boss Rutan. Off his, off, it was a real controversial decision because Boss was hitting him off his back. Did uh, yeah, he broke Boss's nose? Is that right? I'm sure. Yeah, nose breaks are pretty common. Yeah, they happen almost every fight. Yeah, at least some sort of break. Almost every fighter has like some kind of a de- deviated septum. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, you see how fighting is now. Mark was Pride champ and UFC champ, but fighting's changed now. You know, you know that. You're, you're, you every week you're there. I'm only at home in my recliner watching it. So it's so much more sophisticated. I, I love MMA because it's highly technical. A lot of people you hear people boo still when they get on the ground. I love the ground game. I love to think. You have to think. Oh, it's definitely very technical. Well, what's interesting, too, is that there's all these different approaches to strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you, because uh, one of the things that I had seen was uh, Matt working out with you and your guys, and he was doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, like, when you devise a plan, like, for an athlete like a Matt Brown or someone like that, like, do you do you work with them first and try to figure out what they're capable of and then think about, like, what their style is? Like, obviously, you're going to have a different style a different need if you're a 
striker versus a grappler? Well, one thing we do, we try to get him more air conditioned to do five-minute rounds and recover in one minute. When I worked, everything was five minutes and a minute recovery. Some guys I'd run through eight eight rounds. Uh, a lot of guys I uh, was able to do that. I mean, pretty good fighters, you know, 13, 13 wins in, in, in uh, you know, pro fights, stuff like that. So just word of recovery. Uh, I want to maximize the amount of work I can do in five minutes and then be able to recover in one minute and do it again repeatedly. That's all I ever did, work in five-minute intervals. So did you work with guys that use heart rate monitors? And, like, how did you decide what to have them do? I've never done any of that. Really? Never? No, my friend uh, John Saylor, he's got Shinikai Jiu-Jitsu. He's basically uh, started almost really the first MMA school in America, if you think about it, because he was Judo, Jiu-Jitsu, Samba, but also striking. Uh, And he started in 1985. Oh, wow. And he does everything by heart rate, where we do things by percentages. Uh, like I said, we train by an, uh, rates of velocity. Speed strength, you train to 75 to 85%. He would do heart rates like that. And like if you and I would, uh, would grapple, if we could talk to each other for a half hour, that'd be optimal. You know, me and you could talk while we're doing it. That's mm-hmm. an optimal heart rate that, that way. So he kept track of heart rates, kind of basically how we do a percentage of one rep max. So, meaning that it's optimal if you could still talk while you're doing the exercise. Yeah, you're training optimally. You know, you're not <laughs> right. Like you know, that's how I would be. You know, so. But if you're gonna fight, like if you're in a fight and it's a very high paced fight, it's very likely that you're gonna achieve much higher rates of heart rate. You're well, gonna be much more exhausted. That's right. But see, that would be optimal. That's how we train our speed day. Like t- today for squatting and deadlifting is optimal. They do um, uh, 25 squats at one weight. And, to, and for speed, strength, acceleration, and, to, and 20 deadlifts. And then the other day is max effort. And that's what you're talking about, where you go all out and around. Someone's pushing you. You know, they're trying to take you out, so you got to fight back. So, uh, it would, see, it always changes. You can't do the same thing. It's called law of accommodation. If you and I, uh, if you and I uh, grappled at the same rate all the time, I would actually catch up to you. You know, so you'd have to be able to, you know, maximize your potential and run me in the dirt. So uh, that's why you got to have two different days. You know, you can't just do the same type of work all the time. I think that's where a lot of fighters go wrong. They get where they pace yourself too much. You see that with old fighters. You know, old fighters cover up. And uh, you know, I, 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 I've watched fights all my life from Roberto, Roberto Duran to Muhammad Ali. I've watched them all. And I'm sure you're, you've got to be a big fight fan, and you just see how some people get in a scheduled amount of work per round, and that's when you can beat them. Take them out. You know, in other words, you know, I'm going to make you go at my pace, not you go at my pace. You know, I'm going to follow your pace. I'm going to make you go at mine. So varying the intensity of the training, varying yeah. how you do your training, you mm-hmm. think that's very important? Very important. It has to change all the time. So does it have to change all the time because the body just adapts and gets efficient? That's right. That's what I say. That's what the law of accommodation is. Uh, you adapt to a training load or stimulus, and if you don't change it, you get no better. You actually go backwards. So you constantly got to change these stimulus. Tom does a lot of stuff with wheelbarrows. We push wheelbarrows around for half a mile running. Sometimes heavier weight, walking, um, get in a belt squat uh, is very grueling. And then just uh, maximal strength, which is simple things like deadlifts, good mornings. We do a lot of stuff holding the bars in their elbows. Tom hasn't done a lot of that because it's almost like, you know, grappling, up, mm-hmm. pummeling. And then uh, other times, you know, you got to do quick stuff. So quicker pace stuff. So, you know, that's how fights are. They're never one pace. Now, how do you, like, create a schedule? Like, say if you're working with a, a guy and you, you, you know. We don't believe in schedule. You don't believe in it. No, even my guys, I have the strongest gym in the world. Spoke about 140 all-time world records. At breakfast, and Tom can verify, at breakfast in the morning at 6 o'clock, 6.30, we decide what we're going to do that day. Because, see, strength's measured in time. It's not measured in weight. It's measured in time. Mira talked about velocities. 
and uh, so we just pick an exercise like for you if we did a, a real low box squat and it takes longer than squatting 800 pounds you're going to squat 800 pounds you you know if you choke me out you after a while i'm going to tap Mm-hmm. All right. Or if we run after a while, I'm going to run out of oxygen. I'm going to quit. Same thing for strength. You can only strain so long. So as long as you strain at least that length of time or longer, you're going to break a, a classical lift, a squat bench or deadlift. I'm not totally sure I understand what you're saying. <laughs> um, like, why do you have different opponents? You have when you, when you grapple, you're going to have different opponents: mm-hmm. big ones, small ones, fast ones, slow ones, left hand, right hand. Right. And so you you, you so you adapt to all different situations. We that's what we do. As long as our training is harder than a contest, we're going to break records. I took a, a gentleman not long ago, 800-pound squad at 165, top in the world right now, 1880 total, top in the world. I promised him one year he'd break the world record. In less than a year, he squad 809-pound world record in total 2,080. And we just do it systematically. We run everything in ways, three for speed. We work on speed strength, acceleration. And we work, so we go, uh, it's basically 75, 80, 85%. And then on the fourth week, we way back and start over. We change the bar. So that way, by changing a, a safety squat bar, if you know what that is, or, or even a front squat, we change the length of the spine, um, you know, without really, you know, you only got one length of the spine, but we, we do it um, systematically by using different bars. So you, you your brain has to now think differently because it's got a, the bar from where it sits on top of your back to your low back is different. So it has to adopt to that every three weeks. So by changing bars and changing like the the type of workouts you do, it forces your body to adapt all sorts of different loads, right. all sorts of different ways of standing, all yeah. sorts of different outputs. Yeah, we change your leverages, constantly change your leverages, and where the bar has to keep going the same. You know, uh, like your car. I talk about this all the time. You know, if you look at your car, normal car, it will sh- shifts at twenty five hundred RPMs every time it shifts gears. Well, that's optimal horsepower for that car, and so we train it to a certain percentage where the bar speed is optimal for for explosive power or if we want you know it's 30 40 percent um like if i want to take you down i work on 30 40 percent weights or want to muscle you i work on 75 to 85 percent weights so i'd be strength speed and if i had to really grind you out that's why we got to make you stronger you know how strong grapplers are mm-hmm. and uh so we work on all speed all different velocities of strength inside of one week and then where instead of doing high repetitions um like a, a person like you let's say your lower back is susceptible to injury you might have 600 pound legs and but only a 450 pound lower back so we work uh, individual muscle groups single joint activity like the reverse hyper works your low back hamstrings and spinal rectus right we got a special machine that works the hamstrings uh, we got all these different apparatuses that work different parts of your body so we don't have any muscle imbalances like mma if you've got no stand up i'm going to stand up with you if you've got no grappling i'm going to take you you know so wherever you so we work on all these weaknesses have balances so we have constant balance of our strengths and abilities and work capacity. And so because you don't have a schedule and because you decide what you're going to do that day, do you just kind of assess like how your athletes are performing and what, what, they're, what they're capable of doing given each individual day? We have records on all kinds of things like pen deadlifts or box deadlifts or some kind of squat or some kind of bench. Well, they break the entire gym. Now, there's only uh, maybe what, 15 Maybe 15 guys is a private gym. But you break the record over 90% of the time, year in, year out. So why did you decide to have a private gym? Like, how, how come you don't I open this up? can't stand commercial gyms. I can't stand to be around people that don't. You know, if you're a real fighter, you don't want to be around a bunch of fags, right? <laughs> 
I mean, I can't stand. I can't stand to go into commercial gym. I can't stand it. I just got out. I'll, I'll leave in five minutes. Because they're not working out hard enough. They're not working out hard. They don't know what the hell they're doing. You're looking in the mirrors, looking at girls' ass and shit like that. I like ass, but when I'm a gym, I want to work out. Then I'll go look at the ass. So you just decided to set up this gym. We should do like a little tour of the gym at the end of this. Right? Iron sharpens iron. You know that. Right. So if you run with a limb, you develop a limb. So don't hang around people like that. And how long have you had this gym for? Well, I've, I've had a gym. I started training by myself. I had a top toe in the world in 1973 for a while until I broke my back. But I mean, I've, I've had a gym with, with training partners since 1976. Got my first training partner in 1970. It's always been private. It was in my basement, went to my garage. Then we had to start getting bigger and bigger. And, you know, bigger's not better, but we had to get bigger because we started to attract a lot of people that were good. I mean, they're selected to come here, like anybody else. You know, they're selected. So they just pay a membership fee or something There's like no that? Member. I pay everything. You pay everything? Yeah. I How do you it. keep this place running? Uh, this business right here. Oh, selling books and videos selling books and, and things. machines. I don't know. We got, mm-hmm. I've got like 11 or 13 patents. Oh, I, interesting. I paid, you know, I, my money comes from royalties from putting my name on different companies. That's really interesting. So it's like almost the gym itself doesn't bring in any profit. It's just it, reputation. No, it costs me probably, I'm guessing, 50 grand a year. Wow. When you say 55,000 a year, the gym costs me 55,000 a year. Wow. But it's one of the most respected places in the world. Yeah, like there's no sign. It's the most famous gym. There's no sign. You don't need a sign. Yeah, we're pulling in here. Like, where the fuck is this That's place? Right. <laughs> That's what you like. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Well, that's that's about as hardcore as it gets. It, it, uh, it's a, it would choke Linda Lovelace. <laughs> There's a lot of people like who the fuck is Linda that's right. Lovelace? They're not that old. Back in the day, <laughs> do you still powerlift yourself? No, no. I had to quit five years ago. I mean, I kept, but my neck gave out. When I was 63, I did a 730 squat in the meet, 505 bench, 675 deadlift, 217. When you're 63, yeah. Wow. My neck just gave out while I started to pass out all the time. So. You start passing out all the time. Yeah, because of my neck. Like, what's going on? The compressed discs? Uh, well, yeah, totally. It's basically from my mid-back, from my neck to my mid-back, it's like locked up. All just from, from carrying heavy weight. Heavy squats and heavy, uh, I was squatting 410 when I was 14 years old. 410 at 14? Yeah, I cleaned your 260 in the contest of 14 at 140. Wow. And how old are you now? 60, I'll be 69 in two weeks. But, so, how old were you when you were saying that you lifted all that weight? The, la- the most recent? 63. 63. And that's when you were done? You're like, that's enough? I, well, I was passing out. You know, I couldn't pass out. And I came off a platform, and I asked my friend, was the squat good? It was 735. And he said, no. I said, what was wrong? But he said, you passed out. I mean, I didn't know. Then I was on Queer Street. I noticed it was real dark, and I never recovered. <laughs> so, But I, I made it through that meet. I made it through two meets. Did 1885 totals, actually 37th in the world that year. Wow. And then, uh, I mean, I thought I could actually total 2,000 pounds if I, I was doing training weights and squatting the eights. But I, but uh, because you, in these contests you wear gear and it takes longer to get up and down, it's caused me to pass out. Now, have you ever thought about inventing something that would strengthen the rest of your spine the same way you did the reverse hyper? I wish because <laughs> I've got two devices that definitely work for the lower spine. That I, I need something from my brain. Right now, I'm, I, I just went through a series of stem cell. I don't know what you got. You get stem cell? I had stem cell in my knee, both hips, and my shoulder. And right, and I just yesterday had platelet injections in in my knee and my hip. I gotta go back next week. But then I, I get nerve blocks in my neck. You know, I'd love to get my neck well. But I think my I also got kicked in my leg, 
uh, by a kid, a fighter, small one, 135, and he screwed up my knee, so that didn't help me any. Why did he kick you in the leg? But I told him to kick me in the head. She, she, she shouldn't kick me in the head. Don't kick me in the knee. Kick me in the knee and tore muscle. And uh, basically, must be a doctor or a hamstring right above my knee. Were you guys sparring or something? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm stupid. I like do with you. So you still spar? No, no, no. Not, I no. Give, no, I keep. I can barely get around now. <laughs> I mean, I had a I had a fractured skull at 13. A guy hit me in the hip of a baseball 13. Had a broken jaw and broken hand by 18. You know, you didn't have MMA back then. Have you thought about inventing something that would sort of like strengthen the cervical spine and and lengthen it the same way really the reverse hyper did? You know, I got involved with things. I just we're going we're going to introduce a machine October twenty first. Going to absolutely change uh, strength training as the world knows it. It's called a static dynamic developer. It will change the world's static dynamic developer. Yeah. And what is that going to do? Well, uh, it's like if I hold elbow on you, you have uh, I'll get pressure on your arm and slide mm-hmm. the elbow in. I have a machine that's going to hold you like a throw a punch, hold it, then let it go by a button. Hmm. I'm not sure. You I ever understand. watch it? You, you do uh, a judo? You ever see judo toss where a guy they'll throw you in the crash pad? Like one will hold you down while the other guy tries to throw, and then the guy lets go. Yes. Same thing, just like that. What if I had a machine? I have a machine that could do that. Oh, interesting. So you could pull like as hard as you can and can't budge me, and I release if you throw me. Is it possible to develop something like a reverse hyper that works on some sort of a neck brace, like like a similar type of movement? We've done reverse hypers with neck harnesses. Yeah? Yeah, where you're working the very top of your spine to the very bottom of your spine. Hmm. Now, how would that? So you would you you do the reverse hyper with a which, neck harness on. To people who are just listening to this, what a reverse hyper is is like say a table. If you put your upper body on a table and your lower body was suspended underneath the table, like hanging underneath the table, you would attach your ankles to this harness that's like a leg curl attachment, and you lift your legs up straight. And then when you let your legs down, it's pulling on your spine, so it's active decompression. Right. And what would you do with your neck? I put it. We use it. We put a neck harness on. So when you're down, when when you raise up, when you raise your feet, we also raise our upper body. And then, so when we do that, if you use the neck harness, you're working the very top of your spine, right up to the atlas, all the way down to SI. So would it be a neck harness like with weights on it? Yes. Okay. So just like a regular neck harness, like where you would hang your weights down, you do right. like yeah. So when you pick up your feet, you pick up your head as well. You know, uh. you drop it down back and forth. Hmm, that's interesting, huh? That we seems like a great idea. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> well, I mean, as soon as I saw that reverse hyper machine, I was like, "Well, how come this isn't used constantly?" Because it totally makes sense. It strengthens the back in a very strange way. Like, mm-hmm. I brought in a bunch of people that have had back issues, mm-hmm. and they they just try it once and they go, "Whoa!" I'm right. like, "Yeah, why the fuck is this thing not everywhere?" Well, it's marketing, you know. Uh, Tom Barry here does my marketing, but, but you know we're just starting, and I never tried to market. I didn't care. I didn't care about my business. I cared about my gym. Now I cared about my gym all my life. It's one of the most. It's one of the most common injuries for people who lift weights or for people who grapple. That's right. Like I know a lot of fighters who have uh, either have had discectomies where they take a chunk out of your disc, or uh, they're getting disc replacements now. A lot of guys are getting disc replacements because they, they've developed some pretty new technology in Europe where they have these articulating titanium discs, and they just cut out all the, the gelatinous substance between the discs, and they put this articulating mechanical disc in there, and guys are getting great relief, and they're able to start fighting again. Wow. I know Rick Story has two of them in his neck. 
Um, uh, quite a few guys have had these things done where their their back was just too fucked up and they just couldn't do anything, and so now they're actually replacing discs. Yeah, that's what happened to me. But with you, they wanted to fuse you, right? I had two doctors in 2005 who wouldn't operate on me, so it was too dangerous. Now, it was 11 years ago. Why too dangerous? I don't know. It was at Ohio State. They sent me to two, two surgeons at Ohio State, and he wouldn't operate on me. And he wondered why. It was because I was, take, I was living on NyQuil and Tylenol PMs. So it was too dangerous because you were taking so many pain pills? No. They said it was, at the time, the, the procedures they had, they thought it was more dangerous not to operate on me than to leave me alone. But, I mean, they weren't going through. I mean, I've been tricked. I've had chest tubes. I have a thoracic outlet. I uh, went to my doctor here in town. What's a thoracic outlet? Thoracic outlet is when a lot of people have open heart surgery, so you can't put your hands over your head anymore. Um, I went to, to my doctor. He had me put my hand over my head and raise my head, and my pulse stopped. Because it basically goes in and touches the carotid artery. What? Stop my, yes. So when you would raise your hands over your head, it would c- compress your carotid artery. Yes. What's causing it to do that? I don't know. Uh, it would because it would push whatever's doing. It would just cut the oxygen. See, if I if you want to tap me out and just push my head backwards, and I'll I'll go to sleep for you. That Can't sounds put my like head backwards anymore. Powerlifting sounds fucking terrible for you. Well, you know, if you <laughs> grapple guys that weigh one seventy all your life, I grapple the guys that weigh two nine hundred twenty. Well, not well, yeah, exactly <laughs> what it's like, right? That's yeah, right. yeah. You know, when you, if you want to unlimited turn, tournament and you get some two hundred eighty five pound monster on your ass, mm-hmm. same thing. Weights get bigger and bigger. It's a you burn a candle both ends, so you know the weights eat you alive. But you don't sound like you have any regrets whatsoever. I have no regrets. If I hadn't been beat up and all, all my life, I'd have never learned what I learned. You know, people make fun of me. So, oh, you broke your back in 73. You broke your back. Well, you know, I have no bicep. Tore my bicep off in 79. Whoa! Yeah, tore this one off. Uh, it's knotted up right here. That's where the, your bicep ties into your forearms. So, so both your biceps have been torn off. Yeah, and it never stopped me. I tore this one off totally, and they told me I was done. Six months later, I won a national championship. Third biggest total ever made. Pull that. Let me see what that looks like again. Oh, so it's gone. It's gone. You have no bicep. No, right here. Yeah. That's insane. So you don't do curls? I do very few curls. You know, curls don't matter for us. Curls um, for the girls. That's right. right. It's all extensions. Right. All extension. Wow. But that's how I learned. You know, how are you going to learn? So when you tore it, you didn't even think about getting surgery to get it reattached? I, I went to three surgeons. Two said operate. And one said, if you don't care what it looks like, don't operate. And I said, I'm not operating. Wow. So, uh, but, you know, I said six months later, I made the third highest toll ever made in my weight class. And then you, how'd you fuck up the other one? <laughs> Believe it or not, when I tore my patella tendon in half, I'd never done curls, like you said. Yeah, I ripped my patella in half. And, Jesus uh, Christ. My kneecap is over here. So I uh, I was doing curls, and I tore my freaking bicep in the gym. I was so bored, I couldn't hardly do anything. So you were so bored because you tore your patella, do you say, well, let me try these curls, and then you wind up blowing your bicep off? That's right. I tore my patella. I was never going to lift the king because I was 43 at that point. And I'd done about everything that I was going to do. Uh, and then, uh, so like th- uh, four years later, I had a kid who was, uh, was training me. He's a world record holder, 20 years old, in the bench, 728. And I told him, I says, Kenny, I said, man, I'm going to come out of retirement squat seven before you ever been seven again. He said, old man, you'll never have seven pounds on your back again. That brought me out of retirement right then. I did uh, seven, eights, and nines. I squatted. I was the second biggest squat in the world at 50 years old. At the fourth biggest total. Just because someone brought it up to you, you're like, hey, I, <laughs> hey, you run your run your mouth, you know. What uh, it, it, the good thing was he made me he made me do that, but he never did break that bench record. So I'm always thankful for. I'm very motivated by anything. 
I get motive. I, I'm a highly motivated person. Now you you've also been real open about steroids, yeah. which I think is very commendable because it's one of those things in the world of powerlifting, the world of bodybuilding, and even in the world of fighting, it's a dirty dark secret that people like to keep <laughs> yeah, to but themselves. Your, but your grandpa can take it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I believe in my in my opinion there should be you should pass the physical. No one has the right to tell you what to do in this world. When, when it comes time to die, I'm the one that's got to die. So when it's time for me to live, let me lead the life I want to live. But what do you think in terms of the, the, the problem with a lot of people have, the problem the, the problem they see with using steroids in sports is it's going to force young people to use steroids to be able to compete with the people that are using them. They do it anyhow. Yeah. But if everybody's forced to be clean, then they don't. Like what we're doing now with the UFC, you wear like the USADA, the, the, the people that have stepped in, Jeff Nowitzki well, running that program, well, the guy who caught Lance Armstrong. Well, actually, Lance Armstrong was never caught, right? He passed, right. He passed 25 tests for seven years in a row and right. never was tested. See, it's not against the rules to take drugs. It's against the rules to get caught taking drugs. Um, so that's got, a fucking loophole. <laughs> yeah, so if you've got a good doctor, you're on the crap and I'm not. So right. that's why there should be no... You know, uh, uh, Tyson Fury said, make it an even play field. Stop the drug test. I'd say the same thing. And mm. we're not all born with the same amount of testosterone. That's true. I mean, when I was a kid, I, you know, if I was born today, I would be in prison. <laughs> you're not telling me it takes five. All these, you know, some of those fighters have got way more testosterone than other fighters. That's true. They're not born the same amount. So the only thing you could, why not, for, you know, training, you got a better, if you got a better, uh, you know, if you could, you could kick my ass because you do jujitsu and shit and I don't do any. But that don't mean you're tougher than me. That just means you had a better coach than me. So are you cheating me? That's a good point. <laughs> but if two guys do have the same coaches and they do have similar body types and one guy's taking steroids, he's going to have an advantage, right? But isn't that pharmaceutical? What you look at, you watch TV every five minutes, you got a drug commercial on, right? Every if I, I'm, I'll be 69. Let's take all the guys, I'm 68, I'll be 69 too. Let's take all the health medication off six, eight year olds. I'll be the only one left on earth. I don't have any ailment. Tom will tell you, my problem is to go to the doctor, just know there's something wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with me i just beat the crap out of myself physically i i don't have high blood pressure high cholesterol i don't have anything and so let's just take all the drugs away let all the old 68 year old guys die off his planet well i'll be the only one left for I'll a guy like all the old women yeah <laughs> well for a guy like you who's not competing and well, see one of the arguments for fighting is that steroids allow you to do more damage to your opponent and that that is one of the reasons why uh, steroids should be illegal it's because you can train harder you have more endurance and not just steroids but things like EPO and mm-hmm. yeah. a bunch of other stuff you'll have more energy in a fight and you could possibly land more blows possibly wind up beating someone that you wouldn't be able to beat and do damage to them so it's different in a lot of ways but why why wouldn't a person take a sports for you know it's called PEDs performance enhancing drugs right why wouldn't you do that in sports well <laughs> because you, they would think of it as cheating well who does well a lot of people do. How, how many guys have cried their eyes out but to get caught then they cry like bitches and they lie right baseball players they, they only never took drugs you get caught and they cry like bitches right that's what i don't like just tell the you know i, I tell people i've never read the bible but i see them uh, billboards on the freeway says i shall not lie 
just quit lying and come out and say, I take droids. You know, the NFL, why would you be in a sport like the NFL? You know what drugs do is for recovery. Right. That's all it is. Right. You know, uh, you take, I can give my strongest people I've ever seen, uh, do, uh, I've seen weak guys take more drugs than anyone I've ever had in my gym. Really? Yeah. Drugs don't make you strong. You're born that way. You're born fast. You're born slow. You're born with an attitude. No, you're not. Well, that's the big misconception about steroids, right? Is that they make you bigger. The work makes you bigger. It's the recovery. Right. They cause you to do recover to do more workouts. Right. So everyone doesn't want to do workouts. How many people, you know, say they want to be an MMA fighter until they get in a cage one time? Right. And they never get. Like Coleman told me, Mark said he had a million wrestlers when he had Hammer House here. As soon as they got armbarred one time, they never came back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. But there's there's a mild benefit to taking testosterone and a bunch of other stuff without doing any physical work. But almost all of it is in the fact that you could put in more work and you recover far quicker than the average person. Yeah, but see that way, if everyone took it, you're not cheating. You know, you don't. You got a you got a you got a Corvette. You don't have to put high test gas in. Right. But don't you think that, like, it, it also, but for young guys, it can fuck up your endocrine system and fucks up your body's production of testosterone. So what? So what? So what? That's what HCG is for. You got a smart doctor. You take HCG. Everybody takes HCG because your nuts will shrink up. Because if you take roids, you take tests, you're taking more than Mother Nature told you, so your nuts shrink up. Well, they're, they're morons anyhow because if you took HCG, your nuts wouldn't shrink up. HCG. What does that Human stand for? Gantotropic hormone. Okay. It raises all your hormones. But there's, in sports, there, you cannot, there's no sportsmanship in sports. If me and you were to fight in front of a big crowd, half the crowd would want me to knock you out, and the other half the crowd would want you to knock me out. Is that sportsmanship? Well, that's just people. I mean, but that's the, the, but the sportsmanship is supposed to be the athletes competing without cheating. I mean, if I if if there was a pill that you could take that made you invulnerable, it gave you like a god pill, and you took it and you went into a fight, and the other guy thought he was fighting a man, but you're you're invulnerable. No one can hurt you. You can't be hurt, and you don't get tired. Which there and you have still, superhuman strength. That's a good point. Would steroids still be legal? Illegal at that point? Well, it would be better than steroids. <laughs> it would exactly. it would be like a super steroid. But I mean, wouldn't you think that that would be cheating? No. No? No. But well, then nobody can it beat all, anybody. You just beat the fuck hell, out of each other and nothing would ever happen. Heaven and hell is right here. It all starts up in your brain. Man, see, I kind of could see how you could make that argument with other sports. But with fighting, mm. I mean, fighting is about... Because fighting is problem solving with mm. dire physical consequences. Mm. I mean, that's what it is. And if you mm. can minimize those consequences through drugs, a lot of people would think that mm. that would be cheating. I look at it like this. I look at the Diaz brothers. I'm guessing they got a lot of testosterone. I don't know who in the hell their dad was, but he must have had a lot of testosterone. Well, it's interesting. And Those guys eat vegan uh, for the most part. I think Nate eats fish and eggs, too. I don't even know if Nick eats fish. He might have in the past, but I don't think he does anymore. I think he's pretty much vegan, which most people that eat vegan have lower testosterone because the substrate for developing testosterone is fats, is like uh, cholesterol and fats are one of the most important. It's, it's like when people get on ketogenic diets, one of the more interesting things that happens when they consume a large amount of fats and saturated fats and cholesterol is that their testosterone goes way up. Right. Right. Uh, weight lifters on high cholesterol diets. Yes. So I don't 
I don't necessarily know if those guys have high testosterone. What they do have is high endurance. Their endurance is mm-hmm. through the roof. Right. But a lot of that is because they participate in triathlons, a lot of endurance running, endurance swimming, mm-hmm. biking, things along those lines. So but it's, you still have to have uh, the, the, the the brain thought to go kick someone's ass. Right. But and, don't, don't you think that Ronda Rousey has that brain thought, too? She exactly. doesn't have any testosterone. Well, I mean, when, she has some, but not but, a lot. You well, know what I mean? But more than other girls. Yeah, but not about, more than men. How about men. cyborg? Well, that's a little different. What? See, that's the argument for steroids right there. That's the argument because she actually has been caught. But, she's actually tested positive. But, and but if, obviously, she's passing the test now, right? Yes, but you know as well as I do that when a woman takes male hormones for a long period of time, even if they get off of them, there's benefits that they keep forever. It's the same thing with men. Yes. And just because you're passing a drug test, I, I won't say who, but I trained a top uh, international shot putter. He could go off Hanabar in eight days and pass a drug test. IOC. Said IOC. See, that's just... It's I only mean, eight it's days you eight get days off? Eight days on Anabar. So Anabar is IOC. one of the quickest ones to get off of, right? Yeah. So, I mean, and, uh, you, I mean, hell, I forget to take stuff for eight days. <laughs> <laughs> So the benefits unquestionably uh, are permanent, or at least some of them are. What I think about, you know, what you're looking at, you're looking at a fighter's career as you see it Mm -hmm. in an envelope. And then when the day that tough fighter retires, you forget about it. But what about the years later after a fighter's career? If he was on anabolics, he would survive the fighting years and be able to continue his older years like me. So... What you're saying is that see, well, longevity post career. I, I totally understand that. And a lot of fighters believe that as well, like testosterone replacement, growth hormone therapy for guys who have retired. But while they're competing themselves, they don't want to do anything because they don't want to think that the reason why they accomplished those goals is because they were taking drugs. I can shoot tons of roids in someone's ass. Ain't gonna make them kick my ass. It's not going to make them kick their ass, but there's no question that some fighters fight better when they're taking steroids. Well, how about just a nutritionist? Let's just cut out the nutritionist. Yeah, but the nutritionist, look, look, everybody knows how to eat healthy. I mean, if you're eating healthy and you're training hard, but one guy's taking steroids and one guy's not, there's a giant advantage for the guy who's taking steroids. I just know too many people take steroids, and then they pass a drug test. That's all I'm trying to say. Right. Well, I'm that's, bring up any names. I understand, <laughs> and I, I know you're not, but that's one of the reasons why the UFC has instituted this incredibly invasive USADA policy, where they, they'll wake you up at 6.30 in the morning. Well, well how do you like that, watching piss in a cup? I don't like it. Exactly. But that's the only way to catch people. I just, I mean, I'll never go with a drug test. I don't think the NFL should have drug tests. I don't think any of them I think there's a good argument there. You know, first of all, it's a good argument for baseball because baseball, no one's getting hurt. In the NFL, you can make the argument that you're able to hurt guys more and then that damages them and it shortens their career. But <clears throat> but baseball, there's no argument, in my opinion. Baseball is boring as fuck. Well, and if, and if, I mean, some people like it. I get it. But what I'm saying is like, if if you if you got a drug that lets you hit more balls over the fence, take that. That's the only thing interesting about baseball is home runs. I think it goes so. Well, but that's just so. How do you let that sport get away with it? You know what I'm saying? Why not make it legal for all? You know, like baseball is a funny thing. You know, if you hit less than 50 home runs, I guess you're drug free. But if you start hit 51, you're on roids, right? It seems like that's what the sport. And they talk about the base, the steroid era. Mm-hmm. They were taking drugs in 1960s. So who, who are they trying to kid? Were they? Yeah. It was St. Louis, you know, uh, it was a, bo- a football team. Um, you know, the Raiders, uh, I, I've heard stories. Or I think it's even documented on ESPN. They were going in and had D-ball tabs on the training table. All right? Well, you know, what I just say to um, 
the Raiders, mm-hmm. well, the baseball team, the the Oriole, the um, the A's, the Athletics. Well, well, it's like if they're in the same town, do you think it's like Siamese twins? You're having sex with one of the girls, you're having sex with both the girls. What? They, no, did any. <laughs> If no one tested, they knew football players were taking it. Right. It, okay. In, in Oakland, but why wasn't? Why wouldn't the baseball players be taking it right down the street? Yeah, they of probably would. They but do you think that people were thinking of steroids as being like, uh, like that kind of power being a crucial aspect of baseball back well, they then? They knew what it was. Sure. But baseball is more of a skill game, don't did, you think? Did anyone ever test Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris, Hank Aaron? You think Hank Aaron was doing steroids? Of course. They had steroids back then? They had steroids in 1939. But were, people, were athletes taking them, though? Exactly. Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. Okay. If a football team was taking it, why wouldn't a baseball team take it? So we you got these sports announcers, all geeks anyhow. They never a goddamn thing in their life. Right. But they're also uh, hypocritical, and they got these ideas. And they're probably on. They're probably taking, uh, you know, um, testosterone. testosterone therapy as it is. Yeah. I was at a, I was at a power meet one time, and this doctor's their big fat guy. He's talking about how bad roids are, so I'm just listening to him. And then my friend says, what's that patch on here? He says, oh, it's a testosterone patch. <laughs> what kind of thinking is that? I mean, it's, it's, a very, it's a true story. Well, there's a lot of hypocritical thinking when yeah. it comes to that stuff, for sure. It's just, it's, it's an interesting debate. And a lot of people mm-hmm. think that you should be able to do whatever you want. Like the mm-hmm. Pride Days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. During the Pride Days, which, in my opinion, were some of the most exciting all-time mixed martial arts fights those guys did whatever the fuck they wanted and the the japanese literally told them like in their contract we will not test you for steroids they told them that you know look look at horse racing yeah right dog racing yeah but everybody that's okay so they just don't worry about that well equipoise right equipoise is equa it's like got horse in the fucking title that's right yeah i mean and that's something that people take and it's Mm -hmm. a a hormone for steroids for for horses exactly now so you don't think there's anything negative but there's obviously got to be some drawbacks to steroids right I went on antibiotics in 19, January 1970. 1970. Never, uh, 1970. And uh, so what is this, 2016? Yeah. I've never been off. You've never been off in 46 years? No. That's insane. No. <laughs> you just stay on them? That's right. No cycling? Why would I go off? Um, to tell everybody you're off them, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> and I go out there and tell the truth. I don't lie. Do people get upset at you that you're so honest about it? I don't give a damn if they upset at me. But, but I'm just curious. You know, I mean, does it ever come up? respect accounts and self-respect. I don't give a hell about these geeks. They're not doing crap. Right. They suck when they were kids. They suck when they're at middle age. They suck when they're old. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I look at it. Our damn president will be on roids. The whole country will be on roids. We wouldn't be putting our world wouldn't be in the shape it's in today if they had some nuts. <laughs> but if they had nuts, they wouldn't need steroids, right? Because the, the nuts. <laughs> let's, say, let's just say some aggression. Right, some aggression. Yeah. So my, my friend was a psychologist, and he would test people in uh, prisons, uh, rapists and murderers. He said he had tested some. Had twenty five times the rate of testosterone a normal man does. Twenty five times. Twenty five times. That's why I say, you know, it, how's that even possible? Well, uh, God, well, why are they out there raping people? Why are they killing people with you know, no remorse? Because they got an enormous amount. Of test. He said that he he saw. That's why they probably did it. He didn't, um, you know, m- you know it, it, you can't do that stuff. He realized that, but he thought that's why they would be on a course to do stuff like that. They're just absolutely crazy. 
You take look at elephants. You know these elephants. Uh, what do they call it when they they just ease out testosterone and out killing each other and knocking down villagers and everything. So the world needs more of that. Well, I think it needs more because look at, look at uh, you know what? When I was a kid, just ten percent gay. Now they say there's thirty four. Thirty four percent gay. Thirty four percent. Who the fuck says that? But colleges. <laughs> I believe it. There's no way. Too many boy bands. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's no way it's 34% gay. 34%. Oh, man. Okay. Well, I'm sure I'm, someone of course probably... they got testosterone because look at Jeffrey Dahmer. He's out there killing people. <laughs> mm, well, he was gay, too. Yeah, that's what you I'm know. saying. <laughs> but I don't think... I don't necessarily think that's a testosterone thing, right? That's a sociopath, psychopath thing. So. Who knows? Yeah, don't say that. Well, I don't think... Well, I'm not talking about the gay part. <laughs> the other part, eating people. Yeah. Uh, Crazy I, ass. I mean... Mm-hmm. That, but that's but that's not a good argument for testosterone. If you're well, saying that prisoners and rapists and murderers yeah, have a lot of it, so everybody's got a lot of opinions about roids. But I've seen probably a thousand people on roids over the years. Right. Okay. Maybe ones, more. Right. That's right. The ones who took the most drugs were, were not always the strongest. Mm. Actually, the strong guys didn't take that much, and uh, a lot of them. And then I mean, lesser guys take a ton of shit, but they just can't. They're not. They're just not strong. Well, isn't there also a point of diminishing returns where, like, t- taking too much of it throws your body out of balance to the point where you're not going to recover correctly because your body's constantly dealing with this, and, and it makes you crazy. Right, you can't concentrate. Yeah, that's a that's a real problem that people don't want to admit that roid rage isn't a real thing. I've seen it; it's real. It's 100 percent real. Well, I don't I don't think there's such thing. Roid rage. You don't think so? When, no. Well, you said it makes you crazy. Yeah, but I don't see the little. If a little guys, you know, there's plenty of fighters who would fight a, a 300 pound guy. Because they're just crazy, period. Because they're crazy. Right. You know, it's not because they're on roids, they're fucking crazy. Right, but when people are taking too much steroids and it makes you crazy. A little guy's not going to jump on a big guy and get his ass great, you know, because of roid rage. He'll do it because he's he was born that way to do it. You're mm. born, there's two kind of people, prey and predator. You'll find out which one you are real quick. Mm. You're a prey or predator. Well, Lou, you're in this, like... A very insulated world in a lot of ways, right? Because you're constantly around these savages. You're constantly around dudes that are just fucking lifting crazy heavyweights, very manly men. A lot of guys are doing steroids. A lot of guys are lifting weights. Like, that's your world. Like, this is the, these, these are the type of people that you surround yourself with. A lot of people that are listening to this right now are like, this guy's fucking crazy. Who's this guy with no biceps and been on steroids for 40 years? Like, this guy's a maniac. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I was born to do something, and I did it. I, I, I've i never strayed from the way. I've done one thing all my life. I'm going to do it to the day I die. I'm not ever going to quit what I do. Every day I'm going to try to make some me better or someone else better. That's what I do. That's the only thing I've ever done, and I'll never quit it. Well, for you, for a if, guy... If you was in my gym, I would find a way to, you, to make you a better grappler. That's I believe you would. I believe you would. Yeah, that's my job. I believe you would. Now, being 68 years old, if it wasn't for all your debilitating injuries that you've gotten from lifting crazy amounts of weight, you look great. I mean, you look very healthy. Like, like uh, very healthy. Like you have energy. You're very, you know, you're you're on top. You're on the ball when when I'm talking to you. Like, do you attribute a lot of that to taking steroids? That it Absolutely. gives you that energy? If it wasn't for testosterone, I mean, Lord, I'm not saying I might be dead, but I mean, I wouldn't be sitting here. You wouldn't be talking to me. You, you wouldn't know who Louis Simmons was. I mean, I broke my back in 73. I had no training partners. I was on crutches for 10 months. 
Every day I get down in my basement, I looked at a mirror, had a mirror and an AM radio, and I looked in that mirror and said, how am I going to get better? What do I got to do? Every day. I've never, I'm, to this day. I mean, I kept going until, I mean, you just can't pass out and kill me and two guys with me, you know? So that's what got me out of my sport. Anybody who's listening to this, he hears that pounding on the roof. That's just Ohio rain, folks. <clears throat> Metal ceiling on the roof. <laughs> So it's nice for us in California. We don't get any rain ever. It's nice to be down here, get some rain. Um, so what what stuff do you take? I mean, sure. right now, yeah. Just testosterone. Just testosterone. What have you taken? Uh, normally, when I would train, I would take a Dynabol tablets. You know, that's. I, I just did tests. Um, you talk about equipoise, I like equipoise. Uh huh. Like what about human growth hormone? Human growth hormone is a waste of time. Doesn't work. It's a waste of time. Yep. How so? Well, you know, I took growth hormone, human growth before uh, HIV came out, and right out of cadavers. It's called Chris Corman. Right. That's the All stuff right. that came out of people's brain. They took it out of pituitary took, glands, right? That's right. Well, then when they made synthetic growth hormone, they never made somatomethin. <coughs> Somatomethin triggers somatotropin, which is growth hormone. Somatomethin? What is somatomethin that? Somatomethin triggers growth hormone. If you don't have, they never made synthetic somatomethin. I mean, people take growth hormone. How many people you know take growth hormone? If you take growth hormone, you have to eat around. A guy your size, uh, you probably have to do seven, seven, eight thousand calories a day. You, you have blood sugar attacks one after another. You don't, people don't do that. Why? Because it's, it doesn't work. And it knocks body fat off. You see people losing body fat? No. It's a joke. It's a more, um, what's the word, placebo effect than anything. So you don't think it helps people recover from things? I don't think no? it does anything. I took tons of it. I've been prescribed it. I have a fake shoulder. A fake shoulder? Yeah. What's going on with your shoulder? I had to have a shoulder replacement. Wow. Okay. It froze. I had a frozen shoulder. I had to replace this one. And then, um, uh, so I got tons of growth hormone. I gave me growth hormone. I just I gave it away. It was a waste. Wow. Doctors should study you. <laughs> it seems like everything yeah, everything that's ever gone wrong. Contest with a fake children. Really? And what what in what uh exercise? Bench press. You bench press over 500 with a fake shoulder. Did doctors uh I did, I did 24 reps 100 pound dumbbells with 24 reps 100 pound dumbbells. Jesus Christ. That's insane. It's in the mind? Is that what you're saying? It's all in the mind. You know, there's a book uh, fighters got. I don't remember his name. It's called Pain Don't Matter. Pain really don't matter to me. I'm so freaking used to pain, it don't matter. But a fake shoulder, like, I don't, I mean, are they? Are you supposed to be able to lift that kind of weight on a fake shoulder? Like, did doctors tell you to be able to go right back to yeah, training? I, I had it done by the doctor. His <clears throat> name was Dr. Miniachi. He was a Cleveland Brown surgeon at the time. And he basically gave me no instruction. I left the hospital that day out of recovery. And, and uh, never. I did my own therapy. He gave you no instruction. He says, no, all right, you're he good. knew. He literally, it was new at the time. He kind of wanted to see if it would hold up. My, 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 my buddy Morse was a strength coach with the Browns. He said, this guy is crazy, you know. And <laughs> so they wanted to find out this thing would hold up, and it must have held up. Because, I mean, you know. And it's still okay now? Yeah. Wow. You see the scar, and you see the scar, and you don't believe me. Oh, scar. I believe you. Yeah. Wow. He seemed me do stuff up. And so when you got your shoulder, shoulder replacement, how long did you wait before you started lifting I heavy started again? Benching, I started benching in one week. I started a brimstick in one week. That's so crazy. How much were you benching in one week? Not a broomstick. But in, um, in three months, I benched 300. <laughs> That's so crazy. That's crazy. Well, in that case, I got to think steroids helped your recovery. That's right. 
Well, that's one of the best things for it, right? Is recovery well, for injury. And that's one of the best arguments have a set of for athletes. And nuts, too. You just can't sit around. The doctor tell you don't do nothing for eight weeks. That's why I don't go to doctors. <laughs> 90% of them ought to be in a lake because they're, they're quacks. <laughs> So, you know, they're, they're surgeons. That's all they know. They don't know nothing, but they're experts on everything. So I don't listen up, doctor. Well, that's one of the best arguments for steroids is post-injury recovery, right? It was for, it, it was for concentration camp victims in World War II, 1939, where anabolics came up. For concentration camp victims? That's right. When people come out of concentration camps and <coughs> prisoner of war. That's what they made antibiotic. That was the first thing they made them for. Well, it's really good for people that have like wasting diseases. Exactly. Yeah. Same thing if you're in yeah. the prison work camp. And give you some sort of vitality back. Yeah. Yeah. So when when you see guys that get injured and you see them try to do things without steroids, like especially injury, like injury recovery, I think that's one of the best arguments that like maybe <clears throat> when an athlete blows a knee out or something like that and gets surgery, they really should be allowed to use that kind of stuff. How many athletes do you think are in America, professional athletes, all total? Quite a thousand few, or at 1,500, Probably 2, more. There's a couple million older men taking testosterone replacements. So that's my argument. Why would you not let an athlete? What is the difference? Right. And that's what I just said. But I don't care if you if you don't want to take them. Fine with me. I don't give a damn. You don't want to eat a protein shake. You don't want to eat right. I don't care. Well, when it comes to eating right, like what kind of what, what kind of diet do you subscribe to? For I, athletes? I really don't subscribe. I, I eat eggs and meat in the morning, and um, I eat pretty good. You know what I mean? I eat a lot of chicken and rice. I mean, I'm not into the good food. I've seen people eat real clean; they have no aggression. So, like a lot of bodybuilders, you know, if eat super clean. It seems like they have no aggression. And you know, if you're like what I do <coughs> outside of throwing punches or kicks, it's the same. It's a fight, mm-hmm. and you got to fight these big weights. You right. You got to stare them down. You got to lift them, and you got to do it over and over and over, just like you know. Inten- so, a lot of intense aggression. That's right. Yeah. Now, it's do you control. think that that's the lack of cholesterol in the diet, the lack of fats? It may be because I've just seen. I mean, you know, I've been around too many uh, you know people bodybuilders. Also, they were the one that had the side effects. If you get around like only guys that uh, have no facial hair and uh, you know or no body hair, it seems like those were the ones that I've known so the years that had the side effects. A little bit of drugs will give them side effects, and the other people, you know, you always talk about taking uh, stuff for gyno. Come I've never taken anything in my god darn life. I've never needed anything for gyno for yeah, when you ma- get a real tough looking guy, he'd never have any problem taking ro- because they already got testosterone. It's not a it's not something new to their system. <laughs> But guys who get gyno, it's just because they have a ridiculous amount of testosterone, and then your body starts producing estrogen to balance uh, it out, right? I think they're high on estrogen anyhow. Oh, so you think it's just... Exactly. Huh. Because I've seen guys with big, thick beards, rough kind of guys, they don't have no problem. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have any problem. I'm just telling you what to see. Right. No, I, I'm I get it. i in lab. I'm only telling you what I've seen in my... In, in, in through my gym and the years that I've seen guys, the guys that get whacked out on, uh, on drugs, where the guys are very... Uh, you know, not thin, thin in them, but almost kind of it. Now, when when the person who doesn't power lift or people who are unaware of the sport and they, they, they think of a bodybuilder doing the same kind of things that a guy like you would do, that's what they think. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case. No. It's not even close. What is the big difference between bodybuilders and bodybuilders is a hyperpathy sport. They do high repetitions and they, you know, they eat different and they take other things different to get very big. And then we don't want to get big. We're just like you. We want to stay in the smallest weight class we can and get as strong as we can. There's a saying: big ain't strong, strong is strong. 
So we just want to be strong. So everything we do is not to build larger muscles. Like I work with track people, mostly girls. We don't want to put 10 pounds of extra body weight on. It's 10 pounds of extra weight that have to overcome gravity run down a track. Right. So we keep, keep your body weight to the minimum, you know, the, the muscle mass. We just want to make it stronger. You don't have to get bigger to be stronger. That's confusing to a lot of people because a lot of people think of big muscles meaning stronger. And that's the only way to get stronger. But I've seen some people in powerlifting competitions that just lift insane amounts of weight and they're not that big. Right. Well, how is that possible? But muscle type. You know, you're always talking about you. Uh, I've always mentioned you a few times. You talk about like a woolly and it says all oh, mu- muscular. He runs out of gas real quick. Who? Uh, um, Tyrone. Tyron Woodley. Yeah. Yeah. He has playing <laughs> in the same. They got a pretty, pretty much the same amount of muscle mass. He just has very fast twitch muscle. Mm-hmm. And another guy you talk about endurance may have more slow twitch muscle. And then so that that guy, that's why he can fight five rounds in Tyrone where it starts to wear out somewhere in the second round. Well, it's also because a guy like Tyron is capable of putting out so much energy. Like, the way he can uh, attack guys and move so fast, it's like having a 500-horsepower uh, engine versus having a 400-horsepower. One's going to just use more gas. That's right. Well, it's fast. That's yeah. why you got sprinters and you got marathon runners, and they look totally different. Yeah. And so when someone looks at a bodybuilder and they see this guy's just covered in muscles, they assume that guy would be able to lift a ton of weights. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, those guys can't lift nearly as much weights as a guy like you can. No. That's that's crazy to people. Like that doesn't even make sense. Well, like a lot of things are crazy to people that don't aren't in and know. The yeah. Same thing with what we're mentioning about those anabolic steroids. Do you, does it frustrate you that this lack of understanding uh, that the general public has about this stuff? Absolutely. You know, you ever uh, you ever look at the Olympics? Um, we look at our weightlifters, Olympic weightlifters. We don't go to the Olympics. I hope we never do. I hope powerlifters never get in the Olympics. They're sending the worst <coughs> lifters ever. But they said our Olympic weightlifting team is pretty bad. We can't get a guy on the A team. All right, and they, you know they they're just not very good. You look at our women gymnastics people. They're extremely strong. They they blow everybody out of the water. You go to China. Their male weightlifters and female are tremendously muscular and they kill everybody. But their gyms look pathetic. It's because they're all in different systems, you know. They're, you've got better coaches and, and better systems to take stuff. So, American doesn't have good Olympic powerlifters? Olympic weightlifters. Weightlifters. We rule the world powerlifters in this country. American weightlifters are not very good. They're not? No, terrible. Really? No. I did not know that. There was one girl what got a bronze in Olympic. One girl got a bronze. We in, in my sport, there's 12 male weight classes. Uh, we hold seven of the total records. My gym holds two. And in women, there's 10 weight classes. America holds nine of the 10, and my gym holds five. I have the strongest male powerlifter ever lived, period, and the best, and the strongest female. In now, the very same gym. Now, what about shit like those strongest men contests? Oh, well, they're strong ass guys. Yeah, but that's a different thing entirely as well. well it's, it's another different, different thing, right? Like boxing's different than MMA, <clears throat> right? Yeah, Muay, you know, Muay Thai is different than boxing. You know, mm-hmm. you never see say a Muay Thai guy that's going to win a world boxing championship, right? And vice versa. Well, I think it has happened. Um, Thai was. What the fuck is his name? Oh, there was a kid, though. I mean, actually. Olympic gold medalist fought, in Thailand. Um, Pacquiao. <clears throat> I think he's in New York. He might have been a, um, a um, um, Muay Thai champion. Is that right? Oh, Chris Algieri. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he was uh, a kickboxing champion good, one good time, too. Good footwork. Yeah. Good footwork. That's amazing. 
So, so, what the fuck is his name? So, 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 I forget his name. But he was the guy that he's the guy that Jean Claude Van Damme was always supposed to fight. Jean Claude Van Damme pretends he's going to have a fight. He's going to have a kickboxing fight with this this Thai guy. Oh. And that, but that guy won a world title as a Muay Thai fighter and as a boxer. Wow. But that's that's pretty rare. Yeah. But I, I agree with you. Yeah. But now, like, what would be the difference? See, like, if you see, like, if you had a guy coming to you that wanted to win like a strongest man competition, that seems like something that would be right up your alley because you're. So so good at preparing fighters and understanding the different demands of different sports. My, my friend in Finland, his name's Sakari, he's got four guys in, in that gym of deadlift over 900, and they're all strongmen. And um, he does a lot, he trains a lot of strongmen. All right, I'm not into that. But uh, uh, he told Tom and I that uh, one thing, he sprint with 1,000 pound wheelbarrows, 1,000 pounds on wheelbarrow. We do a lot of wheelbarrow work. And also they carry heavy yokes. And that's two of the primary things to get them to be strongmen. What's a yoke? A yoke thing, put it in your back, and you walk around with it. Like if you walk around, we do an enormous amount of walking with with bars, with uh, uh, bands and chains hanging off, so it's unstable mm-hmm. because that's what you have to be. Uh, right, you, you got to be stable in an unstable environment. So they walk a half a mile, stuff like that, and that's all it gets is strong. Is that why you like wheelbarrows? Because it's almost like a deadlift that you got to kind of walk with. And is you that what it control is? it. Like um, Dorian Price, a real good Muay Thai fighter. Uh, Dorian thought that really helped his uh, his um his plum clinch clinch yeah, that makes sense. Um, so uh, uh, did you come up with the idea of using wheelbarrows for wheelbarrow in ni- nineteen ninety? And it's just something that looked to you like a good unstable platform. For- yeah, and it builds up your three minutes of building up your back mm. and, and and grip. You know, you got to have a grip, right? So you know, uh, most you guys got great grips anyhow, but it builds up grip and. It builds up all your muscles and you're walking. See, my, you know, a lot of guys do strength and conditioning. I believe it's got to be combined. You don't have that much time because fighting is a tremendous skill. You, you need all your, you, I mean, the world's strongest man ain't the damn the MMA champion. You know? right. So I believe you got to strength and condition at the same time. That's why we do so much outside walking. We're doing heavy, uh, uh, carrying objects, walking. So we're conditioning and strength training. Do you pay any attention to Marius Pujanowski? Oh, sure. You know what he's doing now? He's uh, fighting MMA? Oh, I knew he, he did. I didn't know he's still doing it, but I remember yeah. when he went to the Strongman, he went to that. Yeah, he's um, he's he hasn't given up. He's been doing it for quite a long time now, and he's actually beaten some pretty good guys at this point. He knocked out Hollis Gracie in the first round. He um, he lost to Tim Sylvia, but that's a fight that he never should have taken. Mm. But, you know, Tim Sylvia is a big giant former UFC heavyweight champion yep. but you know you see Tim Tim's got like a lot of body fat on him he, he's not like the most gifted athlete in terms of like like Randleman is like a freak athlete he was when he was alive rest in peace he was a great guy I love Kevin but he was probably one of the biggest like natural genetic freaks I've ever seen Tim's not that. Tim's just hard work right. and, and dedication and just toughness. And he beat the fuck out of Marius Pujanowski. It's kind of funny when you see the two of them together. I might have saw that fight. Yeah, he might have. Uh, but uh, he started out uh, He started out kickboxing, didn't he, before he even went into... Uh, I think he kickboxed when he was a kid. Pujanowski? Yeah. Did he? Maybe. He went I don't a strong think man so. somehow. He huh? was a boxer? Boxer. Boxer. Okay. Boy. 
you would not believe it when you see him hit the pads when he was <laughs> starting out. It was like, look how big he was. Yeah, it's like almost like you know he's weighing himself down, like throwing weights all over his body and trying to move himself. It wasn't. But my point being, he's actually transitioned has become a legitimate professional MMA fighter who's you know beaten some guys. He's not not bad. I mean, he's not. No one's gonna say he's a threat to the UFC heavyweight title at least mm-hmm. at this point in time. But it's interesting to me because he's still 300 plus pounds. He's still a massive, massive guy. And he's fighting all these events are all places where I don't think they test him too. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting too. Mm -hmm. Tim Sylvia, when he was at his best, when he won the title against Rico Rodriguez, was on some shit. But he was, uh, he looked so different back then. He didn't look like a doughy sort of heavy guy. Overing. Over is the best example. Yeah. Uberim. Yeah, when, when Overeem came to the UFC, when he fought Brock Lesnar, and, you know, it was kind of the wild west of testing. Back then, all you had to do was pass the post-fight test. That's it. Mm. That's all you had to do. Which was, you know, like you were saying, if you take Anavar and you just get off it for eight days, you're clean. Yeah. You know, but the effects were obviously still there, mm-hmm. you know. That's exactly. You know, I mean, Anavar has always been the, the drug of choice for collegiate wrestlers. You know, way back years ago. Because of the fact it gets out of your system so quickly? No, because it keeps your body weight down. You want to uh. take... The difference between bodybuilding, um, you, they take drugs that, um, you know, that uh, on low-calorie diets that it can maintain muscle mass. See, that's the difference. And, you know, yeah. everybody thinks there's only one kind of anabolic. Why does a bodybuilder look like they do? And why is a part... You know, why they look different if they're taking the same drugs? Because the, total, the training's totally different. Yeah, that's one and of the... the calorie the, intake's totally different. One of the big, dirty secrets about vegan bodybuilders. Like, almost all vegan bodybuilders are taking something. And the reason being is because of the fact they're not getting enough cholesterol, they're not getting enough saturated fat in their diet, and so your body just does not want to produce that kind of muscle mass. So, those kind of guys are almost all taking something in order to put that kind of mass onto their body. Mm-hmm. You know, see, we, I train two Olympic gold medal sprinters. All right, I've trained all kind of people. And so it's not like it's just been around powerlifting. I mean, right. everyone I know, you know, uh, there's a re- like, you know, we'll get back to the drug test. You ever think about the Olympics, you see world records at the drug, at the Olympics? Mm-hmm. World records, right? Yeah. Well, if we're breaking those world records drug free, why do you need drug testing? Maybe one of your callers call me up and tell me that one. Well, because they're passing the drug test, right? Well, th- well, they're also <laughs> they, catching them from previous years now. You hear about the uh, the Russians? Those uh, two guys from 2008 that got their gold medals pulled from them. Oh yeah, that's bullshit. You know, it's bullshit. Yeah, it's bullshit because you think other people were doing it too. Of course, but Russia has a very sophisticated anti-doping program. What? That's oh, state Americans run. are virgins. No, I'm not saying that. Yeah, but, exactly. But America, I don't think, is uh, so blatant about their endorsement of drugs. I think America kind of knows about it, and but they can't like come out and say it or come out and... If you're overseas, uh, the, the fan just wants to know what place you got. They don't care how, how you got it. You don't think they care? No, of course well, not. Overseas? No, because it's, 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 it's done by the state. Jesus. It's done by the state. Right. And that what the problem was? The Russia was guilty because it was state funded drug right. administration. Okay. What you, I mean, they're doing the same thing everywhere. Well not just that. Russia's killing the scientists. All the scientists who know about it, a, a, a giant percentage of those guys have been shot in the fucking head. Have you been reading about that? No. Oh, they're dropping like flies. Yeah, all these guys because once Russia got in trouble, they were they were in danger of being eliminated from the Rio uh, Olympic Games. Well, you know about that, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah. 
Well, no, they didn't. Uh, they, they allowed them in. No, there was no weightlifters. They, they forgot how many people. A couple hundred Russians did not go. Oh, really? And you know, yeah, and, they, and a girl here in America, it's a high jumper, I think, or a pole vaulter, was tested um, 33 times in three years. That's bullshit. Wow. That's total bullshit. I had Victor Conte on my podcast. You know who he is? The oh, Balco guy? Of course I know who he is. Yeah. Yeah, he pushed all the Reuters ever, and then he's a drug tester. Well, now he's yeah, mass an anti-drug murder, mass murder, advocate. You know, uh, okay. He's reformed. Oh, of course. He's here for of, peace now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, um, he's he's an interesting case, right? Because he was a guy that had developed a designer steroid that was undetectable. Which they still have. You think they still have those? How are they breaking world records and not bunking the drug test? You know, I was born at night, Joe, but I wasn't born last night. See, I was, and uh, I like to believe that people are just just hardworking folks who uh, eat you right. You just keep believing that. Yeah. Uh, do you think it would be better if everybody just came clean and everybody just did whatever they wanted to do? Exactly. I really do. I think there's no. Why is your dad? Why? Why possibly is your father on uh, going to an ancient clinic and taking testosterone growth hormone? If it was that damn bad, you would your dad wouldn't be going there. There's a couple million people. I know you're a stat guy. There's probably over two million people doing that annually. Why are they doing? That's a good point. Uh, what, it's, it's, it certainly it, helps you. It makes your and your brain function. Every everything's better. It really is. right. Your your drive, your muscle bit, your muscle. You got more muscle. You got better bone density. You got better sex drive. You get better drive. Period. Better I mean, immune my system. My mind has never changed. That's my whole freaking problem. My brain's never changed since I was like sixteen. So your brain still functions at the same it's rate. The same way. I and you think a lot of that in the face. <laughs> you, you ever get around a person and you just look at them and go. I'm going to kick your fucking ass. <laughs> because I don't know why they just, sometimes they get like cat brain. I just want to punch them. Like, oh, I can't do that. Do you think that's roid rage? It's not roid rage. It's just when I was born. I was that way when I was 10 years old. And I'm that way now. I just see, sometimes just go, I want to. And you know, it's weird because I can get around old man. No threat or nothing to me. I'll go, I want to punch this guy in the face. <laughs> I'm serious. I, I mean, I know it sounds, but then I go, I can't do that. You know, I know I can't do that, but I'm going, oh, fucking. Because they're or annoying. some women. I'm going to choke his bitches. <laughs> you say, Christ. one more word, I'm going to choke your ass. I mean, I, but I don't. Some, there's enough in my brain to say, no, you're going to go to jail if you do that. Yeah. But that's how I've never changed. Right. And I don't know if that's a, you know, sometimes I think, gee, I wish I'd change and be a little bit mellow like, like I'm supposed to be. Well, a lot of sixty-eight-year-old guys—they're—they're—they're they're, they're slowing down, yeah. and they—they they don't have a lot of zest for life. Grandpa turns into grandma. Yeah, <laughs> it does happen, right? Yeah, that's right. Isn't it kind of weird too that you can go to like any kind of you know nutrition store, or vitamin store, and this, the shelves are filled with muscle builders and recovery this and, and re- growth hormone that and fake testosterone. Yeah, exactly. well, and a lot of them turn out to be steroids. No, that's true. But then you go to it's against the law. Well, it is against the law, but USADA has a page, and when we had Novitsky on the podcast, this is when I found out about this. I was blown away because they have a list. What was it like? It was over a thousand. Like more than a thousand different products that have testo- have steroids in them mm-hmm. that people are buying under the guise of just being some natural muscle builder. Well, or, there you go. So there's yeah. probably thousands of people out here in America that said they're against taking drugs, but they're taking drugs. Right. 
Well, there's there's certainly a lot of people that. Well, you know, there's a lot of people that are taking drugs and they don't want to admit they're taking drugs. Like people want a drug free America, but they want to drink beer and they want to drink coffee and they want to smoke cigarettes. All these things are drugs. That's right. Right. Yeah, I've said that you you go to a football game like a house state and you got a you got a hundred thousand drunks take you know boozed up and, and smoking cigarettes watching twenty two athletes on the field that are clean. That didn't make any sense. <laughs> they can't drive out the parking lot. No. So you, do you think that leave, even for high school athletes that like steroids are a good idea? Um, I, I think it, uh, when you're able to vote, you ought to be able to do anything you want. Um, I'd say at 18 years old, you ought, if you could drink, why couldn't you take roids? If you're, you know, I mean, I still believe it should be the draft. I think that's what's wrong with America today. There's no draft. There's not enough people that have a father figure in this country. And I think if they won the army, you eventually have a father figure. I was, I was actually was a block tenor 12 years old. I tended to block during summer vacation, and then uh, during school, the guy would pick me up, and I actually knock holes out. These, that thing there is called a knockout. I would knock out these blocks and put it in a wheelbarrow and take it out. What's a block tender? What is that? A mean? block tender, I carried block and mixed mortar. I built So, scaffolds. cement block. Yeah, 12 years old. 12? That's 12 years old. I started working at 12 years old. I got a social security card at 12 years old. That's right. Wow. That's how I grew up. And I, I, I grew up by, if I want to make money, I got to work. No, I had nothing. And, uh, you know, my, my parents had money, but they party. They were party animals. And so I didn't get nothing. I bought everything I've ever owned since I was 14 years old. No one's ever given me nothing. Uh, people, you know, we, these guys, they, I pay them to lift. You know, if they make, if they broke world record or get on our board down there, they get money. I never, I would never take any money. I never took nothing. These guys get protein. They get free gear. I never took nothing. I don't owe anybody anything. When I die, I won't owe anybody anything. So you think that, like, what, by saying that the draft exists, like forcing people into the military, forcing them to serve, would at least give them some discipline and give them, like, uh, make them understand what hard work really is. This country has no discipline. <laughs> you know, what's going on with the police force, you know, in, in, in America today, it's just a lack of it's just a lack of common sense, and I mean, authority—they don't have—they don't represent authority. I, I grew up. Uh, I remember when I was—I used to play baseball. I'd tell people the story. I was like 12 years old, and we played this game. If you hit a ball out of the yard, you're out. But if you hit inside the yard and got the second score, you got a—you scored a run. It was just you against me with a neutral pitcher, and I slid into second base. I was 12 years old, and my my neighbor was a high school senior. I, I remember he probably like 220 pounds, and he gets up and he said, "You're out," and I said, "I'm safe," and he slapped be hard as he could slap me and he goes you're out I was out I couldn't kick his ass that's how I grew up a pecking order no one knows what a pecking order is you know what a pecking know where you are but is that good for society to have that kind of a pecking order we wouldn't be ran over by all these countries right now if we had a pecking order Every look at the pecking order now they're all you know you go to school because you got bullied you know I got kicked out of school in the first grade Okay, not for a day. I got kicked out for the first grade. Um, a kid stole my shoe. I'm going home to my dad. I said, hey, this guy stole my shoe. He was on the other side of the club. Is here on the east side. And he says, well, I'll tell you what. He says, if you tell me that tomorrow, I basically, you know, I'm too. too. I basically said, if you tell me this tomorrow, I'm going to kick your ass. So I go to school. Kid tries to take my shoe. I punch him, get in a fight with him. The teacher breaks it up. I end up punching the teacher. So they, they take me down to the principal's office, and little, and they said, you're kicking you out of school. So 
my mom says, for how long? is it? we're kicking him out of school. I'm in first grade. So we moved across town over here on the west side of Columbus, you know, west side of Barbara. But he wouldn't let me in school. I had to set it out a freaking year. I didn't start the school until I was seven years old. Wow. From punch the teacher. That's right. What kind of teacher can't take a six-year-old's punch? I had exactly. Especially back then. Yeah. That seems ridiculous. But I, but I still think, but you know, no one has it. You know, there's no trades in America. You know, they're, they're talking about this now. No one, you don't have any tradesmen. If they went in the army, at least you get two years. You can get a couple years of college free education or something. Get something from the government instead of handout from the government. Well, some people think that it would be, that mandatory military service would be good because then they would realize the consequences of war. They would really understand it, like Israel does. Like Israel, everybody has mandatory military service, and they're patriotism is at a very high level because of that because they realize like they're all connected in this giant army when the army goes to war that literally is them mm-hmm. I, I, I believe the same thing I just think it would change and I think you know like I said this country's so sick you know your your kids are bullied they got these things because your kids bullied well you know I'd rather be the bully than to be bullied I bullied everybody I could, could and the bigger people bullied me that's just the way it was <laughs> Is that good though? I know my role. I know where right, I stood but, in society. But, I wasn't a little bitch and acting like I run my mouth to you and you touch me. You know what I mean? I go call the cops. Right. No, you beat my ass up. I said, "Fuck that guy beat my ass up." That's just the way it goes. I mean, I got thirteen teeth. Okay, how you think? Of- <laughs> <laughs> Jesus That's why I got thirteen teeth from running my mouth. <sighs> and I don't have no regrets. I don't have no regrets. They taught me lessons. Is that the only way to learn lessons, though? I think it's a damn good way. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a good one. You can't think you're something that you're not. Right. That's true. That is a problem. You you know, just know what you really are. That's all that matters. Well, I think a lot of people think there's something other than what they really are because they're not tested. (laughs) Because they're not, you know, how many people in this life go through difficult physical struggles on a regular basis. It's one of the main things that human beings, especially men, mm-hmm. one of the main things that men lack in life is very difficult physical struggles that test your character. Exactly right. But being a bully doesn't test your character. Well, somebody got to be a bully. What's all that UFC fighters? <laughs> In the, in, the, in the cage. Well, once they get in there, but that's competition. <laughs> I know. I mean, I know they're great guys outside the cage. Yes. You know, Matt Brown. You know, they're all nuts. You know, he's they, a great guy. They get crazy looking eyes real quick. If you he's got crazy guy. eyes. That's right. Yeah, you fuck with Matt Brown. That's a yeah. big mistake. But I mean, that's a real. That's a test, and you got to be tested. Yes. And you know what? It don't. I can say the old thing. It don't matter if you get knocked down. Can you get back up? Yeah. Nothing. I've got back up two million times. I never. You know, I don't give a damn. I, don't, I mean, honestly, it don't matter. You know, like I always said, like if uh, if Kevin Randall beat my ass, well, so what? He beat a hundred other people's ass. I'm just that long list. So if he beat my ass, would I feel bad? No. Kind of be feel honored. Oh, I got Kevin Randall that kicked my ass. Well, that's because you could overcome that kind of shit. You've been through shit like that before. You understand what it's like to have a, a bad moment in life, and it's not going to wreck you. But you that's could, what you I say. Brush yourself off. Yeah, that's the problem back. with people when their children get bullied. And they send them some kind of school because they're bullied. I would be right. embarrassed. And my father sent me because I got bullied. I mean, I blew my own brains out. <laughs> Do you have kids? No, I no. I should have never had kids. So I never had kids. Wow. How did you? How did you manage to get through 
without knocking up one chick? Uh, my wife didn't want to have kids, and I didn't want to have kids, and she grew up uh, pretty poor, and like four or five brothers, and her mom raised her because her dad uh, got killed in a car wreck at two. And I, I never wanted kids, and I, I mean, my, my life's full, okay? I don't have time for kids. I wouldn't have time to be a good father. I knew that, so why would I have kids? Well, that's a very rational way of looking at it. I've been married like 43 years, and I'm wow. to do that because I date a lot. That's a smart way of looking at it. <clears throat> Do you have, like, when you when you look at your life, I mean, at 68 years old, you've accomplished so much, you have this great reputation in, in, in powerlifting and, you know, just in, in helping people and athletes, especially in MMA. I mean, when I talk about you to the MMA fighters who know you, you have a fantastic reputation. I mean, people just, they, go, they just nod their head and like, that guy's the shit. You know, he knows his stuff. Do you have goals at this point in your life? Yeah, I still got goals because we got to keep a couple of products we want, I want to get out before I die, you know. I've got a mechanical reverse hyper that you talk about. It should be in hospitals all over the world. A mechanical one? So it does it without you lifting weights? Is yes. that the idea? I, I could put you, stand you up, and it will put you in place. It can move your legs back and forth. You get well. Then it would assist it. Then it would, you could resi- it would have resistance. So for someone who's like maybe too uh, weak to actually lift the weights up themselves? Exactly. Like, if you couldn't move your legs, this is your legs. I could move your legs. You say, okay, that's it. And you, okay, that's it. Then week after week until we finally get that full range of motion. Once we gain full range of motion, then we could put a resistance, mechanical resistance, for you picking up two pounds, three pounds, or whatever. But but the static dynamic developer I'm coming out with is going to revolution on strength training for every sport. Well, I'm interested to see that. Do you do you have that here? Uh, no, um, we've got it on film. We can show you a little bit on film. If you can, but when you feel it, you would not believe it. Yeah, I'm, I'm very curious. I'm very curious to see what that's like. Yeah, um, and I got one more book coming. I'm writing a track book right now, and, and I'm pretty much done with discussing the editor and you know have it track and field. Uh, a track, not field, just track for sprinting and long distance. And just about developing strength for developing strength and reducing injuries. There's so many injuries. Left. Now, what about an MMA? Is there, do you think there's a way to reduce injuries in MMA through powerlifting? I think powerlifting? they too much. Really? Yeah. I think they spar a little bit too much, probably. And then uh, I, I used to talk to guys way back in the military camp was big. And that guy, because it was 95% a fight. Yeah. You know, he would go there. He was a K-1 fighter. And he said, uh, and you know, I think you got to slow some of that down because, you're, you know, they say in boxing, it's the fights that don't get you. It's the sparring. Yes. So yeah. get some of the sparring. Work on skill and, you know, work on your skill and, well, it's interesting you say that because that's the trend now. Donald Cowboy Cerrone, who's never looked any better than he does right now, he's on a tear. He said he stops sparring. Huh. He doesn't spar. He says, all I do is do drills. He goes, I already know how to fight. or already right. know I'm tough. He goes, I don't waste myself in the gym. We have the greatest squatters bar ever in the history of the sport, and we don't squat. We, we settle on boxes. We don't do regular squats. What do you mean? We, we sit down in the box. We're just sitting on a chair. We right. roll back and then stand back up. That's how we do all of our training until we go to a contest. Then you got to do a squat. We don't do any regular deadlifts with a with a, a, rope, a bar and real weights, none. And our top our top five average is eight hundred ninety, and top ten is eight sixty six. So you, what do you do if you don't do regular deadlifts? We do bands over the bar uh, in power racks. We use two or three different like, bands over the bar, meaning elastic bands. It's two hundred twenty pound attention. Like if if you picked up, um, you know, two hundred on the bottom, and you stand up, it's four forty. Right. 
Okay. Or we got stronger bands. We use all these different kinds of bands, and and uh, we just do a lot of stuff like that. So what what that means to people that are listening to this, when you have these elastic bands on the bar, it makes it more difficult when you get up to the top of the yeah. range of motion. It, it, that's the same with chains too, right? Yeah, but it's better than chains. It's called accommodating resistance, but it builds tremendous acceleration. If you use a lot of band, you have tremendous acceleration at the very bottom because you know you have to outrun the bands. Right, right. So, yeah, you have to outrun the bands, and then when you get to the top, it becomes more difficult. Mm-hmm. So you, when you have just a regular deadlift or a regular squat that doesn't have any of those bands, at the end you have more horsepower. Exactly. Huh. So you don't do any regular squats or any regular deadlifts? No. And you think that that helps your athletes, that preserves athletes as well? The greatest squatter is the greatest male female powerlifter. We had the number one, number two greatest squat of all time. <laughs> and I've got a 165, I think, will become, he's going to be the greatest squatter of all time. I think wow. he can squat 955 pounds of 165. 955 he's, pounds at 165, that's insane. He's, he's done 890, he did that easy. That's incredible. And keep him out of jail. Oh, he's crazy? Yeah, a little bit. How weird. <laughs> <clears throat> Wow. Who's to say he's, we'll just say he's crazy. I understand. Yeah. Well, I would imagine. Well, I mean, isn't that the case with almost anybody who's like at the very top levels of anything? Normal people only give you normal results. Ooh, that's a good quote. That's a good quote. That needs to be a meme. That's right. Normal people only give you normal results. And I don't need normal people. Yeah. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Well, I mean, that's what I was saying before, that you're kind of insulated, because you're in this world of savages, you know, like in your attitude about things. Like, this is not an attitude that most people have. In 2016, everybody's worried about everybody's feelings. Everybody's worried about being sensitive. Mm-hmm. You know, that the, the, this is the, the time of toxic masculinity. People are worried about masculinity. Strange, right? For a guy like you? Isn't it strange? I, mean, I think the world's screwed up, man. You know, I... I um I told Tom to buy all these books from my strongman back in 1900, and they all look like MMA fighters today. Men don't look like that today like they did back then. Mm-hmm. You know, long before roids, they looked like they were loaded to the gills, and there wasn't any roids back then. You know, probably food was better, maybe. I don't know. But they all had an attitude, and everybody looked like they'd kick your ass. So I just, I don't know. Like I said, the world's too soft, man. It's got to be hard. You, know, world, you can't have an easy life, because once things get hard, you're screwed. Well, you're I, not accustomed to it. I see that in my sport. I watch guys who accelerate them so fast, and it gets hard to quit. Mm. Be like in a fight, say, oh, I'm done. I just quit. Right. I tap. I am, I'm out of here. You know, punch me in the face one time. I'm done with that stuff. Right. That drives me insane. Because work hundreds of hours to get these guys super, super strong, and then they quit. But doesn't that make you appreciate a guy like a Matt Brown or someone like uh, who is like a legitimate savage? I got savage. a lot of respect for Matt Brown. I got a lot of respect for all fighters. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, any fighter, I don't care what level, but they get in the UFC cage, I got a lot of respect for them. But in 2016, that's a rare type of person, right, in this ever-softening world? Don't you think that's why MMA is so popular? Because everybody wants to be that, but they don't want to go through that work. It's also they recognize how unique it is. Yeah. They recognize, I mean, there's a lot of people that I, I'm friends with that like MMA that they don't have those qualities themselves. Mm-hmm. And so they appreciate them in other people. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. I've always admired fight. I, I'm a huge boxing fan, like like Triple G and guys like that. Mm, me too. Uh, you know, so Roman Gonzalez, uh, classical boxers. I mean, I like the classic because, uh, you know, you go try to do it. It's not easy to do. That no. footwork is insane. Oh, yeah. And everybody thinks, oh, that's just a brutal, even boxing, that's a brutal sport. And they think MMA is, I don't know what they think that is. But, dude, there's a lot of, so much technique. 
there's it's more technique than anyone would ever really oh, imagine. Ridiculous. You know, another thing that fighters are getting into a lot lately is yoga. Mm, yeah. That's a that's a big one. Did you ever mess with that? Well, no, I haven't. I probably should. I know Matt was doing yoga, right? Hot yoga. Yeah. We got the, some track girls to do the hot yoga. They, they say it's really, really good. Well, it's a great thing for your back. That's one of the reasons why I brought it up. It's, a, it's amazing for like lengthening your spine. There's certain decompression exercises that you do in yoga where you, you grab like the bottom of your heels from underneath and you're pulling and straightening your legs out. You literally feel your back going like pop, 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 pop. Like I, I do it all the time and I, I can feel my back, especially like in the middle. I feel it separating wow. and it makes like a little pop, almost like you're getting a Adjusted by a chiropractor. Hmm. Is that something that you would uh, recommend to your athletes? Is that something you I might think, think about? Help. If it's not an advantage, it's a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Anything to help a person, I'm, I want them to do. Now, what about uh, other kinds of therapy, like uh, cold therapy, ice baths, cryotherapy, things along those lines? I've had, I've had um, prototherapy, you know, stem cell, platelet injections. I, I, if you could think of it, I've done it. I mm-hmm. want you to get in. I don't want your cat, your readers to hear everything I've done because it would probably have me locked up. Like, what have you done that would have you locked up? I've used arsenic and strychnine injections. What? Strychnine? Arsenic, strychnine. Arsenic and strychnine. That's right. I Why would they inject stuff? you with poison? Because it raises your red blood cell count. <laughs> I've used nitroglycerin cream. Nitroglycerin cream? Yeah, because, you know, it'll stimulate blood flow. I mean, it'll start your heart up. Right. And I use it because I broke my back, and I didn't want to admit I broke my back the second time. So I use it, and I told my friend who was a professor at Ohio State, I says, don't go nowhere. We'll see what this does. I mean, I was ready to beat for three hours. It felt like you were hitting me in the head every every heartbeat, just hit me in the temple. And uh, so, But I've done it all. There's nothing I haven't tried. I did electric statement. I think well, it's called uh, Make-A-Wave. It lengthens out the muscles. Um, Tom did it for, what, 15 seconds? I did it for 96 minutes. What does it do? It lengthens out the muscles. Literally straighten out your leg right off the ground. It's electrocuting you. And uh, for six-minute segments, and I did 96 minutes. So it's electrical muscular stimulation? Yeah, like but the it, they lengthens. Put the pads on, it lengthens. It. Yes, and I should have never done it because I think I've got too many injuries, you know. And um, it basically tore. It popped my uh, my hips and my shoulders out of socket. What? Yeah. It popped. My hip, my hip bone sticks out. There's a knot right here. <laughs> My hip bone. You're crazy. Your your whole body's like a walking medical encyclopedia oh, of you injuries. You know, you got to try it, right? Yeah, I guess. What did Road Warriors say? Desperate men do desperate things. Yeah. Now, um, <laughs> I've been wh- very desperate over my life. What's what's worked the best for you? Did stem cells work out well for you? Well, I'm finding out because what has been a mo- about uh, <clears throat> three weeks. I got stem cell in both hips and my knee and my shoulder. And what's wrong with your hips? Oh, just from squatting wide, just beating the crap out of myself. It's all torn wide. up. I mean, I'm short and you know, right. real wide. It's all, all your powers right here. Just mm-hmm. like for fighting. So it's just all wear and tear? Wear and tear. And do you feel any different? So I think it's starting to work. Um, see, I wasn't allowed to take anti-inflammatories. I've been on anti-inflammatories since 19, 1991. Because um, I nearly died. See, when I tore my knee off, I'm allergic to anesthesia. So I went back in. They gave me a spine. Jesus, Jesus. Christ. Yeah. So <laughs> I went back in. They gave me a shot. They said to calm me down for surgery, take the wires out of my knees, out of my knee. And, uh, well, it put me to sleep. He gave me anesthesia. So I ended up getting trached. Well, I, like, I'm, I'm jumping around. They're sticking chest tubes in me. And that really, that's how I got thoracic outlet. They severed my intercostal nerves. They severed your intercostal nerves. Yeah, I've had at least five five or six doctors tell me that's exactly what they did. Oh, and they stuck God. the chest tubes in me. 
Jeez. So at that point, 91, um, and, and I'm going to tell you about my gym, and this is why the training partners I had, I did stuff at 50 no one's ever done, and this is how. Because I was in intensive care for about four days, and I was in the hospital for three more. They t- and I, got a, uh, I didn't need a trach. I could talk because I was trained all my life. So they take my throat shut. <laughs> i got to hold this big. i got stitches in my side. They take me out of the hospital to the gym. It was on Tuesday. Well, that Sunday, I go to the gym, and I go, I walk, I, I, I'm on crutches, I got my knee, you know, they find out around my knee, and he goes, you're maxing out, you know, motherfucker. And I says, what? And they laid me down, I've been 355. Who are they? Who's my they? My training partners. They're out of their fucking mind. Exactly. They tried to kill me. Dave Pace, they tried to kill me. And, but, that's, but that's what you got to have. You got to have people like that. They drove me to the point that, when they told me to, if, I, if they told me to do this, they kicked me out of my own gym if I didn't do it. <laughs> they just told me to mail the rent in. That's just so ridiculous. But that's what a training partner Mail the rent in. <laughs> <laughs> that is so ridiculous. Well, I understand your attitude now. Well, you, you know, if you don't have an attitude, you don't have anything. Yeah. I've had some great results with stem cells. I think stem cells are probably going to help you quite a bit. You ever have it in the neck? No. Oh, okay. I just had it in my shoulder. I had it in my knee and in my uh, my hip. Okay. But uh, the big one was my shoulder. Man, my shoulder. My, my hip was just a minor soreness that I was like, do it preventative. And it, it definitely had an impact on it. My knee. I was having on and off pain for years in my knee. Completely cured that up. And my shoulder, it healed it like nothing I've ever done in my life. Wow. Yeah, I got from the brink of needing shoulder surgery to to no pain at all. Well, this shoulder, it goes out of place every freaking day. They got to put my, I separate my shoulder and say, I got a big guy puts it in every day. So I'm hoping. Every day. I could be put in every day. What pops it out? Just the strain. I mean, just strain the ligaments and tendons, I think, over the years. So it's not even anything you're doing physically, like not, not even I lifting weights? It's just a constant wear and tear. You know, I mean, it's just like playing pro football, you know. I mean, but I've done this for all those years. I mean, it, you know, I mean, I was an I was a national record holder in 1971. Right? Wow! And then um, so, and then uh, 2003 or four, whatever the hell, I don't even know where it was, 2005 or something. I was still top ten. Wow! So, do you do any exercise at all now? Yeah, I train just small crap. Like, what do you got do? Now? Bad. I like to walk on tires. I do belt squats. I had to quit dead because my knee was so bad. But I want to get back where I can deadlift. I love the deadlift. And deadlift, you know, just kick your ass. I mean, if you can deadlift, you can still fight. Right. You know, someone attacks me. Right, right, right. You know, which is quite possible. Because <laughs> the way you talk. <laughs> After they hear this podcast. Kick any old woman's ass. Any old woman. Wow, that's amazing. That's strong <laughs> words. So, like, what, what, like when you lift weights today, like, are you, are you lifting max? Are you maxing out? or no, just No, I mean, just I get, just... getting some exercise? It, and, you know, because I love... I mean, my thing was squatting and deadlift. I was just, you know... Top ten quarter right off in my you know almost my first meet, mm-hmm. but I mean when the neck if you're going to pass out you just have to you know if it comes to time you just got to stop. Now when you're talking about doing the reverse hyper with that neck uh, neck yeah. harness on does is that help you? We actually do a bunch more supreme uh, severe thing. We do neck neck deadlifts out of my bell squat machine with a neck harness. What's a neck deadlift? Well, you put a, a neck harness on this machine and you squat over and you stand up. And Oh, so you're doing you're deadlifting just with your neck? With your neck. How much weight are you doing that with? Uh, on that machine, whatever the machine weighs, I've done about 40 pounds, which is a whole lot. Yeah, 40 pounds is a lot to be hanging off of your neck. Yeah, plus the, plus the cage. Right. What, 95 pounds? 195 pounds? Oh, 95 pounds. 95 pounds? Are you still doing that? Yeah. It seems to make me feel better. It makes you feel better? Mm-hmm. Well, it makes your neck feel better? Yeah. 
That's interesting. Because yeah, yeah. that would be like counterintuitive. A lot of people would think that. A lot of people think you shouldn't lift any weights with your neck. Your neck. Like I talked to Kelly Starr about it. You know that eight-way neck machine? You know that thing? Oh, yeah. He says don't ever do that. It's bad for your neck. And then I've talked to other people who are athletes who are fighters who said it's like one of the best things you could do for you, your neck. You got you, That's so too. In the NFL, the problem, they don't train their neck anymore. Remember how big everybody's neck was? Yeah. You know, what do you do, Russell? If you was real big, what do you do, play football? You don't see that anymore. It, they, the neck is a, the two most vulnerable pieces, your lower back and your neck. Right. No one trains them because they're afraid to. Right. Well, that's what I keep hearing, that it's bad for your neck no, to lift weights with it, which seems so weird because it's not bad for your lower back to do deadlifts. It's not bad for your lower back to do, like, reverse hypers mm-hmm. or Roman chair sit-ups or anything like that. No, I think um, uh, a guy called Paul Anders, he might be been a strong machine, never lived way back in the 50s, but he thought the neck was the was a, uh, most neglected muscle and it should be the most used muscle because what happens to us, we have bad necks. Yeah. Because you, you know, if you don't do anything, we'll get bad neck. So, do you think like it's a, it's a real issue with uh, grapplers? Like grapplers almost always get cerv- cervical herniations. Mm-hmm. Do you think that a lot of that could be prevented if you just strengthened up your neck? Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, my friend John Sater. I mean, to this day, sixty something, he gets out and does neck bridges for five minutes and does five hundred Hindu squats. He's in his sixties. Five hundred Hindu squats yeah. in a he, row. That's right. That's insane. He that's what he does. That he gets out of bed and he does that every day. Five minutes of neck bridge and 500 Hindu squats. I, that's amazing that he could do them in a row. Yeah. I, could, I could do 200 in a row, and then my <laughs> fucking legs turn to rubber. <laughs> wow, i got to step up my game. 500? Wow. And how old is he? I'd say 62 or 63. Is he on the shit? Uh, I don't know. You don't know? Don't you don't ask him? You don't talk to older guys? I don't talk to about other people. He's an actual oh. judo coach for seven years. Oh, okay. That's well. That's a big one for grappling. A yeah. lot of a lot of uh, old school grapplers, in particular, love the Hindu squats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's amazing that he can still do neck bridges and everything like that. And he's that age. He's yeah. that age. Yeah. Um. He. Uh, he's done. I mean, he's a black belt in uh, judo, samba, um, jujitsu, and he's black belt in Japanese Muay Thai. He still trains. He trains all the time. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. He just had some hip surgeries, but he's back to now. I think he can roll around a little bit. So. Wow. Hip surgery, mm-hmm. a replacement, or what? Yeah. That's another real common one. Mark Coleman's got a hip replacement right. too. So common, a hip replacement. Um, t- See, I go into John the shoulder, Donner. but uh, everything else lasted. Mm, that's interesting. Way past everybody else. Well, what they're hoping now is that through the use of stem cells, that your body's going to be able to regenerate tissue in a lot of areas where it couldn't before, and that's going to prevent a lot of replacements and a lot of surgeries and a lot of things. They think that sometime in the future that stem cell-based therapies are going to eliminate a giant percentage of surgeries that people have. I hope so. That's why I did it. Yeah. No, I hope so, too. I'm I'm curious. I mean, if if anybody's a canary in the coal mine, it's you. Yeah, no shit. We'll find out, won't we, Tom? I get well. I want to lift. I want. I want deadlift. I want to go to meet and deadlift. So you just want to deadlift till you drop? Yeah, that's what I do. I don't know anything else. <laughs> well, is there anything else you want to say to all the people listening out here? No, just uh, no, just good luck and don't be afraid to try. You know, keep trying. Never give up. People give up, man. They give up, and no one should give up. Well, listen, man, you are a, a very unique character, and I, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me and, and do yeah. this. And uh, I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time. Yeah. And, and thank you so much for making that machine, because that machine has helped me so much. It built so much strength in my lower back and yeah. gave me so much relief from uh, lower back issues that I had. I have one in my studio. <laughs> Before I do the podcast, Jamie will tell you, I do that fucking thing all the time. Good. And anybody who's got a lower back problem, I go, come on, come on back. And I show them it, and I'm like, this thing, get it. 
put it in your garage. You need one of these. Yep. It's great. Well, man, I really appreciate you Thank coming you, here. Really Honestly. appreciate it. Thank yeah. you very much. Big fan. Thank you, sir. So uh, we're going to check out, check out your gym. Let's okay. go for a little tour of the gym. Yeah. We'll make a little video of that. And uh, thanks, man.